Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome back. In this week's episode, we wanted to answer a few common questions that we've been regularly fielding from clients. And in fact, if you had a specific question that you thought would be a fun or productive conversation for the podcast, feel free to share it with your team at DeLap. So without further ado, let's jump into question number one. Is focusing your investments solely on dividend paying stocks a reliable investment strategy? To answer that question, let's first start by defining what a dividend is. A cash dividend is a distribution. It's a portion of the company's retained earnings that are shared with stockholders. Frequently, these payments are made on a quarterly basis. Some income-oriented investors are attracted to dividends because they view these stocks as less risky and perhaps more stable. However, common misconceptions lead many investors to prioritize dividends at the expense of diversification, flexibility, and total investment return. Dividend payments flow from a company's earnings and assets, and the price of a stock is influenced by the expected future cash flows to shareholders. So when a company pays cash to an investor in the form of a dividend, the price of a stock may actually fall. And after accounting for the dividend and the revised value of the stock, the value of the portfolio may be unchanged. There are various motives that can influence if a company issues a dividend and the significance of the actual payout. While a dividend can act as a reward for holding a stock, a high dividend payout ratio does not necessarily have a positive implication for an investor. Why might that be the case? Well, the amount of the total cash dividend, it represents money that can't be reinvested in a company. An enterprise may pay out a high percentage of its profits to shareholders because management doesn't actually foresee any projects that they anticipate would generate a higher return. Dividends can be used to placate investors also, after a stagnant or disappointing period of returns. Another important detail about dividends is that they aren't guaranteed. During turbulent times, dividend payouts may decrease as many companies need to pay their employees or pay lenders. For example, in 2009, 57% of dividend-paying companies either eliminated or decreased their dividends. For example, General Electric had paid a quarterly dividend of 28 cents a share in 2007, 31 cents a share during 2008. But during the second quarter of 2009, the dividend was slashed to just 10 cents. And more recently, the company cut its dividend further to just one cent per share. An even more recent example, let's look to the global pandemic. Even established firms weren't exempt from the effects of the global pandemic. Harley-Davidson, which had been paying dividends since the 1990s, cut its dividend by 95% in April of 2020. While that may be shocking, Financial historians and biker buffs may recall that back in 2009, the motorcycle manufacturer announced a 70% decrease to its dividend. Dividends can be inconsistent, especially during tumultuous times 
when we need the income and the certainty the most. By investing only in companies that distribute cash dividends, investors are limiting their opportunity set. The average proportion of firms paying dividends in the U.S. was about 52% from 1963 through 2019, meaning an investor that was focusing only on the stocks that paid a dividend were missing out on nearly half of the investable opportunities in the United States alone. Holding only dividend-paying stocks may limit the opportunities for global diversification as well, as countries have varying levels of dividend payouts. A dividend-only approach would exclude companies such as Amazon, Google, Facebook, or even Zoom that don't currently pay dividends. There are inherent consequences of any future tax rates and policy changes that increase uncertainty around the future of dividends. For example, if tax rates on dividends are raised relative to the tax rates on capital gains, companies may actually decrease cash dividends and increase stock buybacks. So what does all of this actually mean? Well, for investors in need of income from their investments, it may actually be more beneficial for them to focus more on their total return, which includes dividends, as well as stock appreciation. Investors can actually sell securities and generate cash instead of relying upon a business's payout policies, which also allows us greater control and precision around income tax planning. Ultimately, concentrating only on dividend-paying stocks is not as reliable as we would like to believe and may actually lead to the decreased benefits of diversification and flexibility. Ultimately, a more reliable approach is to structure your stock allocation around the characteristics that decades of peer-reviewed Nobel laureate-type research has demonstrated drives the long-term higher expected return, namely company size, relative stock price, and profitability, while also maintaining a broad diversification of names, sectors, and countries. Another client question we've fielded a lot recently is the following. What impact would a proposed tax hike have on the stock market? Well, the impact of a potential tax hike has been on many people's minds recently. As part of the Biden tax proposal regarding the infrastructure package dubbed the American Jobs Act, various spending programs were included in which part will be paid for through the proposed increases in corporate taxes being raised from 21% to 28%. This isn't the first time this topic has come up and certainly won't be the last. And with any new administration, there's going to be new policies. While tax changes, specifically tax hikes, are always a source of angst, investors should be careful to extrapolate the impact of tax policy on their portfolio. The common train of thought is that low taxes will boost markets while high taxes hurt them. But it's really not that simple. For example, President Ronald Reagan and President George W. Bush both implemented tax cuts during their administrations. If you'd invested $100 in the S&P at the start of each of their administrations, it would have grown to $324 under Reagan, but declined $70 under Bush. In 2013, the Bush tax cuts expired for those making more than $400,000. In effect, this was a tax increase on income above that range. The S&P increased in 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016, highlighting that tax increases did not cause a market to collapse a worry that many investors have during times when we experience a tax hike. Another key point to remember about President Biden's proposed tax plan is the uncertainty of it. President Biden initially unveiled the infrastructure plan back in March. At the time, it included $2 trillion in spending over eight years and an increase in the corporate tax rate to 28% to fund it. On April 22nd, as a counter to the plan, Republicans presented an alternative to Biden's $2.3 trillion original plan. And since then, there have been multiple conversations where both parties presented additional proposals, 
trying to find a middle ground. Another point of consideration, to pass the tax increase, it'll have to get through the Senate. Senate's currently divided 50-50, but the Democrats have control because Vice President Kamala Harris can cast a tie-breaking vote. However, senators can side with the other party when it comes time to vote, and we've seen this happen many times before. All this to say, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty around if the tax change will get passed and what form it'll actually take. In thinking about the potential impact from purely a theoretical standpoint, it's critical to remember that stock prices reflect the expectations of all market participants. This includes expectations about potential impacts of future taxes on future cash flows and the discount rates of those respective companies. Stock prices change almost instantaneously as new information becomes available. Changes which may occur well in advance of when tax policy changes are finalized or actually implemented. Moving past the theoretical to the empirical, what does the data show? Well, we can explore analysis on the relationship between stock market returns and the tax burden scores available through the Heritage Economic Freedom Index. These scores are computed annually using the top marginal rate on corporate income, individual income, and the overall tax burden relative to GDP for each country around the world. Ultimately, the current research finds that there's no discernible pattern between tax burden scores and average investment returns. So what does all of this actually mean? What impact would a proposed tax hike have on the stock market? Well, the implementation of new taxes or other tax policy changes are events that take a while to actually get executed. And largely, they're anticipated by market participants well in advance before they're actually enforced. As such, stock market prices are likely to reflect the expected implications of those changes in the months prior to the enactment. And there's little evidence that you can consistently outguess market prices and exploit that information not yet reflected in the price. Taxes affect performance, so we really want to pay attention to it. At Delap, we help clients reduce tax exposure, but preserve their market exposure and try to maximize their expected return. Tax hikes aren't enjoyable for most investors, but we can add a lot more value through planning than we can through economic predictions. For example, at the portfolio level, the tax planning includes tax-efficient portfolio design, asset location strategies, gain realization deferral, holding period management, tax lot considerations, wash sale avoidance, when we're tax loss harvesting, and the deep integration of charitable giving and tax credits. If you have concerns about the probable tax hike and would be interested in some more planning, reach out to your team at DeLap. Money saved, including taxes, is money earned. We'll be back next week with some more new content, but until then, be well.